0: Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. Praise the Lord, everybody. you be like, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. If you've never been here before, my name is Aaron Kudum. I serve here as a high school pastor, and HSM exists. Woo, some feedback. Let me back up real quick. There we go. There you go. HSM exists as a place where we make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And so we've been going through the past seven weeks our Calvary Next series. And we invite you today to join us. Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. It's where we are this evening. So Acts chapter 20, we're talking about our practical next steps as believers and for the vision our church has for Calvary 20, 30, and actually as believers for day-to-day life. Again, you can open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20 starting at verse 20. Sorry, verse 19. That's right there. Verse 19. Sounds good. Okay? 20, 19. You guys there? Say amen. amen. Sweet, sweet. Uh, as we go through this chapter, we're going to see a few things that uh, people are called to as believers. One of them especially or specifically is that God has called us to live by Example, but before we jump into that, we've been talking about these statements, these truths, these things that act and stand out to us as believers, especially as part of our 2030 vision. And we read them together. The first one is this it's all about thank you. you. And then God's people delight in God's life change happens in found people, find safe people. people, one more time, safe people. And grateful people, these are not just empty words, these are things that we stand by, live by, march by, and we're going to see where we get these from our text this evening. But first of all, again, God has called us to live by example, to live by example. Our ministry is one that is led by people who live and love like Jesus. In fact, we say this because Jesus himself led by example, in fact, Uh, The person who wrote this book, Paul, led by example, he spoke to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. This is what he told Timothy, a young pastor, his disciple, someone in his small group who likely he would have met for coffee at Ragamuffin on a Thursday afternoon. He says this in 1 Timothy, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. He says that you are to live an example. Young person, old person, we're all called to live by example. In fact, he goes further to say, the things you see in me, in Philippians 4.9, the things you see in me. Paul was such a man that if you wanted to know who Jesus was, all you had to do was look at his life. Imagine if people had never read the Bible, never heard about Jesus, but they saw you. They saw a Connor Shackleford. They saw a, a, a like a Tracy, and they said, "You know what? I look at your life. I see you, and I see Jesus. That you are a living testament." He said to Timothy, uh, in Philipp- actually people in Philippians, he told them, "Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be." with you. God is called to be a people who live by example. In fact, he tells, uh, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 5, 2-3, talking about people who are in leadership. So he just, we just talked about you people, people who are not in this space or on a stage or whatever, but they're not even like a, a, a JD or a Joe. These are not people who are like myself. He says to people who are teaching positions, he says this, Be shepherds of God's flock and don't use your authority to lord it over people. And we've heard many stories in the news about people doing sketchy and random things with their leadership and their role as people in the body. And yet he says, what you're supposed to do with your leadership is this. Be examples to the flock. So you are called to exampleship. I'm called to be an example. An example of what? Example of Jesus. Simply put, the Christian life is this. Being what God wants you to be and letting the Spirit work through you. That's what it means to be a Christian. You don't have to be a pastor, preacher, FCA leader. You don't have to be someone who preaches on the side of the street. See, leading by example and loving God's people doesn't mean you have to have even gone to seminary. God wants you to be a lawyer and to be honest and have integrity in your space. If you're supposed to be a a person who is going to be for example, a doctor, then you lead in that space. If you're called to be someone who teaches, like in a school, then you teach and influence, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we real quick just change that light setting at the back? Joey, if you can help in the back, some people are squinting. That would be helpful. Um, so praise God. <laughs> praise God, Parker. I love you. I see you, brother. My eyes are fixed. Okay, anyway, go uh, ahead. But Paul saw his ministry in Acts 20 in this kind of a breakdown. He saw it as a love between God, meaning he put God as his supreme thing. The biggest thing he honors and looks at God as the highest treasure too. He looks at saved people, meaning he has a relationship with people around him. In small group, relationship with people at church, he has relationship because we believe and he believes life change happens in relationship. He has this vision of the lost, meaning he's going out. He spends his life going from town to town, small group to small group, church to church, living and loving like Jesus. Then finally he sees himself, where he lives a life of self-sacrifice, meaning he loves people even at his own expense. These are the four ways he breaks down chapter 20. And in Romans 1.1, if you can see closely and you look at the Bible, people normally would want to call themselves pastor or bishop or clergymen, or all these different things, right? But Paul calls himself, none of these things, he calls himself a servant. And for us to really be people who are reflections of who Jesus is, we are called to a life of service. Amen? A life of service. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle. He sees himself as a servant. In fact, in Romans 1.9, he says, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son. Like, he, he's constantly reminding us that he is a servant. Now, in the Bible, there's a word called Dulos, which means to be a love slave. Now, this is not the slavery we've heard of in America where people were in chains and all this stuff. No, 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 no. This is about being... A slave because you are given to someone else. When I married my wife, my wife and I belong to each other. I belong to my wife and she belongs to me. We belong to each other. And so whatever she asks of me, whatever she wants, I will die to myself, figure out because I love and I see her as my master. Like I want to love her and to give myself to her. Jesus asks us to be slaves of Love And for many of us, we've heard about this, especially last week, talking about how we have a spirit of obedience and not the act of obedience. It's like, it's okay for us just to come to church and have the spirit of obedience and be like, oh, we're here. That's enough. But we need to have also the act of obedience to live out the gospel he has called us to, not just the spirit of it, but to have the actual action of to follow suit. If I said I love my wife and yet I never did anything for her, I never loved her. You would say that is a lie. And so He asks us to be people who live like that—a life who, where the spirit of obedience meets the act of obedience in a beautiful marriage. Amen? Amen. Acts twenty nineteen, where we are this evening, and so you can turn your Bibles there. It says this: that God, whom I serve, again, there's that word again, in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of His Son, He is my witness. And how, I const- how constantly I remember you. So actually, 2019, sir, my bad. It says this. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. He says that I serve the Lord first, like we said. And how does he serve him? With humility and with tears. Our service is called to be one of humility and one of, yes, understand that there is going to be hard times with indeed suffering. In fact, in verse 35, he tells us, Don't think highly of yourself, but to love others first, to see them as people that we will put forth before ourselves. And so we are to be a people who are saved and serve others. I'll say this statement, it's going to be true that you cannot see yourself as a believer if you refuse to become a servant. Servanthood is synonymous with being a Christian. And so that means some of you might end up serving, yes, on a mission trip, and you guys are going to another country. Like, that's insane and crazy. Some of you are dressed up as random animals. Guys, I am sweating in this outfit, right, (laughs) for the sake of the gospel. Like, you're making moves, right? You're making decisions to actively serve others. And so it may be uncomfortable and might be suffering to some of y'all, Some people are actually dying for the sake of the gospel right now in other countries. They're getting locked up for this truth. That's their level of uncomfortability. Beyond my meager sweating, right? Like they're moving to other places so people can experience the love of Jesus. Again, you cannot see yourself as a believer if you refuse to become a servant because Jesus himself came to serve other people. There's two words that we're going to look at that are in this verse And kind of defines the kind of servanthood we're supposed to have and it's a servanthood of well of a servant the word is called diakonos and it means to be basically a servant it's a humble service and the depth of our love the depth of that service is to be that of a slave we are people who love and give of ourselves to other people again we'll say it this way that saved people serve other people Acts twenty twenty says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. So what is he saying? This he's saying this exactly that many of us are called to do this, serve. Everyone in this room is called to serve. But how we serve is one from the public space, meaning at your schools, like places like in the mall, places you just hang out where you're active with your friends in public. And then personally, from house to house, you don't invite people over to your house unless you know them, unless you're intimate with them. I mean, have you guys ever seen someone off the street and be like, hey, come to my house? You ever done that? Never done that. He says, there's an act of love and service that opens the public space and one in the closeness and intimacy of a small group where you can invite people to that quiet space or a one-on-one at a coffee place or, hey, let's go for a drive down the 101 or down Highway 1 and hang out and talk and play music and then reflect on our lives and allow the gospel to be the center of your conversations. What is he teaching? What is that is helpful? That he's speaking to these people. Second Timothy 3, 16-17, he's called us to speak and to talk about these things. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. He's saying the things we're speaking to people are things about the Word of God. Like, the Word of God validates our testimony. And people can say, you can preach the Word and sometimes use words. Like, use it, use it by living your life. true. But the word of God validates your testimony. It is the undergirder. It is the the foundation of who you are. At some point, you're called to maturity. And when people ask, why do you believe what you believe? You say, because Pastor Aaron said? Because Cecilia said on Wednesday? oh Because I heard one day on TV? No, because you, you believe it because the scriptures tell us to do so. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 2, to always remain strapped. This is my just basic, Jesus, stay strapped. In and out of season, be ready. Like, be ready. Have this truth in your heart, a reason to explain why you believe what you believe. Which is why we're to be a people who delight in God's word. We are called to be stewards of the gospel. Now it said, in First Corinthians four two, that as we're stewards of this gospel, it means we're to be a faithful people, a people who hold on to this truth. It says this: that it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful, a steadiness, a consistency. We are called to faithfulness. Some of you guys are more faithful to watching a TV show on Netflix that's about to end than reading your Bibles. You're like every day I gotta watch that. Every like you guys binge watch the heck out of shows. Right? You're more faithful to stuff like that than actually reading the Word of God. It goes, be faithful to this huge thing. See, my ministry, your ministry, is to be faithful to this Word of God and to put it and share it into the hearts of people. That's your work. That's your life. To share this truth with people. And in Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but He came to serve, and to give His life for many, we are to be a people who do the same for others. And we go out practically to go find other people. See, found people, find other people. Found people, find other people. And Paul puts it this way. He goes, woe to me. In 1 Corinthians 9:16. he goes, woe to me. May I be a curse. May something happen to me. I can't help but preach the word of God. It's kind of like how you guys have a favorite restaurant, right? Favorite restaurant, shout it out. One, two, three, Go. Shake Shack, girl? She, I'm not judging you. Hey, whatever. Hey, no. No. Okay, okay, we'll try one more time. One, two, three. Favorite restaurant, go. I heard a lot of different things. But I'm going to go with the one I heard. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Praise God. Okay, praise him in the heavens. For some of us, it may be in and out. That seems like the majority feeling out here, but let's go with that, right? Because you've been there and you've loved it, when someone comes out of California from some other place, Texas, or even further east, people who, ha- who have heard, like, like, people who come from places where they have restaurants like Wawa's, like, what the heck is a Wawa's? When they come, you're like, hey, guys, what do you want them to experience? Animal fries from in and out You're like, Yo, I want you to experience this. You ex- invite them into it. You bring them to it. You drive them to it. You might even pay for the meal yourself. Why? Because you realize that you want them to experience this truth, you serve them, you find them, you bring them to it, you become faithful with the truth of the gospel of in and out. You know all the secret menu items. You're like, guess what? There's this thing called an animal style, and you just like blow their minds. Like you do, you can figure out all the stuff because you want them to experience the joy of in and out. How much more the joy of the gospel? Again, found people, find people. And this is the gospel that we're supposed to share. It says this. The gospel is these parts. One, Jesus came to earth, born of a virgin. Like God became man. And that's a mystery. It's what really happened. And then he lived a blameless, sinless life. And then he himself gave himself up. He died on the cross for us. But he didn't stay dead. After three days, he arose to give us Power and to free us and to, separate, and to separate us from our sin and give us relationship back to God. See, Jesus died so we can have relationship with God, and so we die daily to ourselves so others can meet God. And what is it that he spoke about this gospel? The gospel is a gospel of repentance. Again, it says that Jesus came to, to seek and save the lost. In 2021, he says... I declare both to Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What they're sharing, what we're called to share is this, repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repentance means to change our minds. The word is, in the Greek is metanoia, to turn around, to make a 360-degree change, to change your mind. And guess what? You don't have to be perfect to live this life. You don't have to know all these crazy things or go to seminary or know the difference between free will and predestination. And the guys ask that question all the time. We're dinosaurs in the Bible, Aaron. Like, guys, you don't have to know all that stuff. How did, like, for real, how did Jonah stay alive three days in that belly of the whale? Like, you don't have to know all those dynamics. He asks us, one, to read the word and to obey what it says. We change our minds from living a life of sin to live a life with God, meaning the things that used to separate you from God, what that may be like? For some of you, you may be simply learning to forgive others. Can you believe that forgiveness, like unforgiveness, can separate you from God? Like living a life where you are holding on to things. There are people, I, I, I personally have an example where my mom actually had a mental break in her life simply because she refused to let go of things. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, and that seeps in. There are people who actually, for you, might be a next step of learning to let go of a certain addiction. Making a, a, an aggressive like turn to flee from an addiction. Meaning you're telling people, you're asking for help, you're blocking stuff on the internet, you're making sure that people know where you are. Hey, my, my boyfriend and, 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 and I are trying to stop like going too far how far is too far you're asking that question to your youth group leader you're asking people the question because you want to aggressively fight your sin so you can to- run and to- run towards the god of the universe luke 24:47 says and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at jerusalem he wants everyone to know the gospel of repentance this is what revival looks like. See, when the church began in Acts chapter 2, what happened was all these people were gathered. And Peter stood up and told them, hey, guess what? This is the gospel. A gospel of repentance. He told them all these things about Jesus, how he came and died. He showed the gospel clearly. Then asked him to do this one thing. He said, repent of your sins. And in that day, 3,000 people were saved. Imagine that. Imagine that happening at your school. Imagine one lunchtime, you stand up in your lunch, like maybe not in a onesie, but whatever. You stand up and you're like, hey, guys, check it out. Jesus died for your sins. Are you willing to be that kind of a person where people know you as the Christian kid, where you see someone who is down and out and are willing to go to them and say, hey, can I pray for you? That's the easiest thing to do. It's a softball because you have the power to connect with God we live a life of repentance so people can see and meet with God. A life that turns from sin and people can tell that you're not living a life of sin because you do not cuss like them. You choose not to make a fun of other people like them. You choose not to joke about someone's like life like them. Like You are actively living a life of purity and I say it this way. You cannot be saved until you turn from your sin. This is what he's teaching people. This is what Paul is speaking to these people that he will never see again on his last missionary journey. And he's telling these people, turn from your sin. See, salvation, again, is a change of living in sin to living for God. Living in sin to living for God. In 2 Peter 3, 9, he says this. and we'll put it up on the screen. He says, the Lord is not slow keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone is coming so everyone can come to repentance. Why does God spend so much time? Like, we're waiting to go back to heaven. Why is it taking so long? Why? Because God is waiting for people to repent. He's gracious. He's loving. He's allowing you to live a life of repentance. He's serving you, allowing you to serve other people. He's allowing you to find other people because he doesn't want anyone to perish. So he waits and gives you time and gives you grace, and gives you mercy, and gives you opportunity to love people so they can see and know this God. Again, you cannot be saved until you turn from your own sin. He says this in 2 Corinthians 7.10, just to define what repentance is and is not. See, repentance is not remorse. Repentance is not remorse. It's not where you just say, oh, I feel bad for doing something. Like, no one comes to church to feel bad. Let me tell you this right now. No one's here trying to make you feel bad. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. And as a Christian, if you go out to your schools, your family, your role is not to make people feel bad. You present the gospel that God wants to have them saved from their sin, but not to make them feel bad. Again, repentance is not remorse. We just feel bad because you got caught. Because you did something? Like right now, everyone is ablaze on the internet because someone said something and then they say, I'm sorry. And people are like, I'm sorry. There's so many sorries going on. That people have like how many, like honestly, if you think about it, how many like I'm sorry videos have you watched in the past two weeks? I've seen like five. From all these random like people on YouTube, politicians, like being caught, having their voices recorded, saying stuff that's weird. Like, and now people don't really believe it. See. That's what the, world call, what the Bible calls worldly sorrow and not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. It's defined in this scripture in 2 Corinthians 7.10. That godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. God doesn't want us to be a people whose lives are governed and controlled by us just feeling bad and guilty. No, no, no. He wants you to live a life that says, Hey, like I want to honor God, I want to love other people, I want to save other people, I want to find other people because I've experienced it. And so we turn from that so we can live a life of faith in and with God. In Acts 20:35. As the worship team comes up, he says this, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So, we are saved people who serve other people. And because we've been found by God, we live our lives finding other people. Again, you don't have to be a person who's gone to Bible school, done all this crazy stuff. No, guess what? It doesn't even make sense what you guys are doing. Some of you guys are going to Uganda and the Dominican Republic paying $2,500 of your own money to go to another country to visit people you may never see again. Does not make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? I mean, I can find at least 10 things to do with $2,500. 10, at least 20 things besides rent. Like put money down on a car or like get the next iPhone 22 or whatever is coming out next. Like I can figure it out. I need some new clothes. You're like, I can figure it out for 2,500 bucks. But you do this because you've experienced the gospel, the love of Jesus. You yourself have been loved. It's said in First John that we love because Christ loved us first. And so we are compelled by love to love other people. We're compelled by love to love other people. And so you become a grateful people because you've been loved. You seek to love others and to love others well. Again, after this, you're going to spend an hour and a half or two hours hanging out with our special abilities ministry like peeps and hanging out and dancing and and, and having music and eating food. Like, you're giving this. Why? Because we're the only people in the world who can really give and really receive back receive a gift of joy because we're giving ourselves to other people it says in acts 20 36 through 37 when paul had finished speaking after giving this last speech to these people he would never see again he knelt down with all of them and prayed and they all wept as they embraced him and they kissed him they'll never see him again he just told them like you're a safe people serve other people He said that you are a found people. Go find other people. And then finally, like, they respond by knowing that, okay, we have to give ourselves. Because, again, we give ourselves, right? we grateful people are giving people. They see all these things before their eyes. And they kneel down with him. And they begin to cry and to weep. I I think, one, because they're going to miss him. I think some of them were were broken over their own sin. and want to live a life of wholeness and holiness. Meaning a life that's separate from sin. A life that again not being perfect and believe me i'm not perfect like i'm a person like full disclosure i also have to struggle with like lust i have to struggle with telling the truth i have to struggle with fighting for power and authority like anyone else in this room like i am not a perfect person and that's the beauty of the gospel that god calls us to himself and he allows us by his grace to grow in holiness day by day by day grateful people are a giving people And these people begin to to weep. And we see a church that, you know, whether you are going to be in our children's ministry, you know, as far as EC. And I'd hope that you would serve in those places. And you would give yourself in those places to what we call here the seasoned adults. And I'll say the most seasoned adults. The oldest person in our community, right? The saltiest, I guess. I don't know. Like, that, we would be a people who follow these truths. Not because we've been forced to or we're a guilted to do so, no, because we are grateful for what God has done. And so tonight, give you have an opportunity to do that, first of all. And if you didn't plan to be here for this buddy break after the fact, please stay. Experience what it means to live and love like Jesus, to love other people, to be grateful and to give, to, to be saved and served. Like, stay and feel that. And there's other opportunities beyond this to do that exact thing. Let's pray. Lord. We thank you that as we read this, our God, looking at Paul's life, he was willing to put his life on the line for the sake of the gospel, to serve other people because he was grateful for the love that you gave them. Give us that same spirit, Lord, that we love other people. We seek them out, our God. We take care of them because you've called us to love other people. So strengthen my brothers and sisters this evening as we learn to live and love. Like Jesus and all lost people said, amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.